Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Once again, with another phenomenal episode of Man Bites Pod, it is the commander coming at you with the Reverend Terry. God damn, and the motherfucking Baron Gene. How are we, fellas? I'm doing great, man. You know, I'm just uh, a ray of sunshine upon this uh, parasite and plague that we call humanity. Yes, Baron. Yes. Yes, I'm all good. I'm all good. Happy to be back. Happy to see you guys again. Uh, keen to talk about these films. Yeah, and not not that anyone will know this, but uh, not that anyone will know this, but there's been a bit of a, a a break in between our last episode, so it's it's I'm, I'm glad to be back in the in the lab with y'all. Um, oh yeah, I missed you all. You know you missed me. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, I mean you're the pretty one though. Like I'm the bad boy. Gene's the smart one. You're the pretty one. Like if we were a boy band, you know what I mean? Fucking A, dude. That is the only time that has ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> let's, let's just say we all have faces for podcasting. You're, you're Leonardo. You're Leonardo and the Baron is Donatello and I'm Raphael. Oh <laughs> uh, man. I don't get to be the party guy. You know I'm the party guy. No, man. That's LB. LB is the party guy. Unseen producer LB. <laughs> um, anyhow, let's dive in. Uh, it is my week this week, as I announced already at the uh, tippity top of the show. Um, I decided we've had some uh, we've had some real dark ones. We've had some real long and heavy ones recently. And I thought, hey, let's have some goddamn fun here. But definitely we need some violence. What better than Cannibal the Musical? Uh, it's a, this is a trauma flick. Uh, it was written. I mean, this was not just written and directed and starred in by Trey Parker uh, of South Park fame. Um, this motherfucker was the composer. He did a metric ton of voiceover work. He did. Um, he, he even overdubs Matt Stone at parts. He overdubs the doomsayer. He overdubs the sheriff. He overdubs the Japanese Indians. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's aware of this, but this was done when uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were going to the uh, University of Colorado Boulder. Trey Parker is a double major in music and Japanese. So he speaks Japanese. Um, yeah. You can hear him yelling in Japanese in this movie. It's it's pretty goddamn funny when you this movie's funnier once you know the inner workings behind the scenes. Um, so, by the way, before I start talking about the movie proper, um, this is to me the second best commentary ever recorded on a DVD. Is this is this movie? Um, yeah. It's worth buying the DVD just for the comedy. It's called Liquored Up Cannibals. Terry, you want to talk about that? Because Terry actually has a story about this. It's absolutely phenomenal. So what are there, seven, eight songs in this film? Songs? There's, yeah. There's a drinking game that goes along with it. And every song, you fucking pound a beer. 
shotgun the whole thing, and then every time they say Spadoinkle, you, you take, take a shot. shot. <laughs> Not during the Spadoinkle song, but any other time, you have to take a shot. If you took shots during the Spadoinkle song, you would die. You would you would fucking die. I wouldn't. <laughs> you would. But I'm talking to our listeners, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that being said, I mean, you want to tell the story that we've told on the other podcast? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Um, you get pretty much blackout drunk. Uh, the last time I played this, a group of my peers um, and I imbibed ourselves. And since it's only an hour and a half long, we just continued drinking and listening to it in the background on repeat anyways. Um, this led to a few of my friends blacking out. One person was playing with a knife, stabbed someone else, then got his ass promptly beat, passed out. The person that got stabbed shit himself underneath a staircase and was puking at the same time and passed out there for about 16 hours. And I had already left him there when I had to go to work in the morning. And my wife had left him there when she had to go to work in the morning. And I had to call my neighbor to break in through the window and carry his ass out of there. And we don't want to, I mean, we've already, we don't want to besmirch his good name. Let's just make it up. We'll call him Troy for this episode. Oh, Troy. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I that that little that little uh excerpt of, of Terry's life always entertains me every time I hear it. So yes, um I Troy Parker. the guy, the said guy that shit and puked everywhere, um clean it up. But our good friend Sean Swank from uh Nerds with Issues is a great podcast. Everyone should check him out. He actually helped me clean it up. And uh, I will always remember him for that. That is that is the golden the golden gift. I don't know. Sean rules. Yeah. Um, so what were you saying uh, there, Baron? I, ju- I was just going to say Trey Parker and Matt Stone would have been very proud at that whole evening, you know, as a tribute to their film. Absolutely. I think so. I think I'm on board with yeah. you. Um, they're degenerates just like the rest of us. Um so uh, once again, this was written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame. Um, it was, and and the we'll get into it a little more. I'll do the synopsis in a moment, but um, the this was a movie shot for 125 grand, give or take, over the course of spring break of the, from college. So they had spring break from college for a couple of weeks, and they shot this whole movie. Um, Everybody that worked on this movie were people they found the day of um, actually worked uh, in like in a historical capacity with Alfred Packer's stuff was related to them were their teachers. It was just anybody they could get that were willing to help them out with this project. Um, And and Terry, Terry is as well versed in this film as I am. We'll talk about a lot of the cool cameos that are in there. They're actually pretty funny. Like I said, it's even funnier once you know the inner workings and then you go back and rewatch it. It's, it's even funnier. Um, But this movie is based on a true story and the, Truth of the matter is, if you take all the jokes and the silliness out of this movie and only focus on the actual concrete things that are in the movie regarding the story, it's pretty accurate. Um, But this is a movie, Cannibal the Musical, it's based upon the life and times of Alfred Packer. Um, Alfred Packer uh, was was a guy that th- this, we're basically going down the same path as the Donner party. This is a guy that uh, with a group of other people went to go cross through the mountains in Colorado to get to, uh, to, to go find a better place for gold mining and mining in general. Um, it was gold, wasn't it, Terry? Yeah. They got to go find gold. Yeah. I think it was gold. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if it was another mineral, but I think it was gold. Um 
And so it was a very ill-fated journey, much like the Donner party. These guys were inexperienced. Um, they were kind of fuck-ups. And uh, over the course of this movie, it, what, what, what you see is, yes, it's this tragic story that ends in, that ends in uh, Alfred Packer eventually uh, getting caught and accused of cannibalism, which he was guilty of, but his story is that it was self-defense and self-preservation that drove him to that. Um, and a young lady named Polly Pry actually did save him from getting hung. Um, and so this, I mean, this just follows that entire story. It's a, it's a, it's a historical deal. And with that being said, um, I know G I'd really like to get uh, your take on this, uh, Baron, because I know this is not your deal normally. This is a low budget B movie uh, comedy musical horror film. I know this is as far outside of the sports you normally play as could possibly be. What's your take on this flick? Yeah, uh, it's more the musicals aren't my thing, uh, more than the B grade uh, in this instance with, with this example. But saying that, it is Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Trey Parker in particular is a creative savant, definitely. Uh, there are pretty much two musicals that I can bear in this world. Uh, and that is the South Park movie, which is in effect a musical, and this one as well. Uh, it's been a long time since I had seen it, uh, but the baked potato song has always stuck with me. Thought it was <laughs> hilarious to begin with, and I still think it's hilarious now. So I didn't have any issues watching this. It was good to rewatch, and also to do a bit of study on to see how much. Uh, the movie is placed within a historical context as well and how accurate that was. And I mean, I'm sure you noted this down there, uh, Commander, like he's even credited as Julian Schwartz, which was an alias Pecker was using when he was picked up. So there was fine yeah. attention to detail amongst all of the drunken, you know, uh, yeah. guerrilla filmmaking, hilarity and chaos. Definitely. Yeah, he is. It's a good point. I was going to bring that up a bit later. He He's credited at Trey Parker is credited as Ron Schwartz, which yeah, well, Ron is the I know we've got and we've got people that are not around Hispanic people much. Um, Juan is the Spanish version of John. John Schwartz was the alias that Alfred Packer used once he finally got back to quote unquote civilization um, uh, uh, to avoid detection for some time when he was in Wyoming and when he was, you know, Utah, cool. wherever the fuck ever. Okay, um, thank you for the uh, clarification. Yeah, no, no. Well done, though. That was good. Um, another, I don't know if, uh, I know Terry's seen this before because we've talked about it recently. Did you see at the very end the disclaimer? They put the, due to the graphic nature of this film, it should not be viewed by children, but they put it at the very end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. And you got to remember something about this. They are 21-year-old kids. They're fucking children. Um, and I thought I was a grown man when I was 21. I was not, I was still a kid. Um, you don't know much of anything. You just kind of think, you know, more than you do, uh, whether you think, you know, at all, or you think, you know, more than you do. Most people at the age of 21, uh, are not self-aware enough to realize just how little they know. And these guys have flat admitted that if you, like I said, if you listen to the commentary, they will tell you we fucked this up and that, and this was dumb. And we'll get into some of that stuff here in a minute. Um, but since this is a musical and it's the first one we've done, I do have to know let's go round table. Um, start with the Reverend favorite song in the movie. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you, man. I forget that, uh, yeah, I'm going to damn you all to hell. Um, <laughs> I would say that Hang the Bastard is by far my favorite song in the entire film. And it climaxes with it. Hang the Bastard is definitely my favorite song. they all dancing and everything. Everyone's involved. He's on the fucking scaffolding. Leanne's there. It's it's amazing, man. Um, 
side note about that, the dance number. Remember, okay, so remember how the whole time he's chasing after that horse, Leanne? Leanne was the name of his fiance uh, uh, very recently before he made this movie, uh, who they were a month away from their wedding, and this girl started cheating on him with another guy. So he wrote this movie as kind of some get back, but he had her, she was a dance choreographer, and he had her do the dance choreography for that number, and she's in the fucking front. <laughs> I um, didn't know that. That's uh, wow. Another one about that particular spot in the movie. Um, I don't know if you know this one at all, Terry or or uh, uh, Reverend or <laughs> Baron, but th- there's a part where he says, "Do you have any last words?" And he says, "He says, well, when things get really dark, you should probably just throw up your hands and say, well, all right.'" because it's probably going to get a whole hell of a lot worse. He stole the first half of that from Oklahoma and Oklahoma in Oklahoma. It's this nice, sweet thing that he says afterwards, like it's always going to get better. And he changed it to, it's going to get a whole hell of a lot worse. <laughs> That's funny. That being said, I love that bit. It's one of my favorite jokes in the movie because everyone's so upbeat the whole time, no matter what's going on. That's a fucking funny joke. Um, yeah, I, I think by far Hang the Bastard is the best song in the entire film. It's just, right. it's the, it's the climax. It's the climax. Everybody's there. That's the way the fucking film's supposed to end. The whole cast, well, I mean, other than everyone that died, but <laughs> like a bunch of extras are in it and they're all dancing around to hang yeah. this guy. You you're, know? Mark, you're marking out for the big finale. I get it. I don't agree. And I think you already know what mine is, I'll t- but I'll get there in a second. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Baron, could you tell me your favorite song? Yes, it's the uh, Let's Build a Snowman. <laughs> now, it's I won't say why just yet, because it relates to uh, our gimmicks that we do after the synopsis. But uh, that is, uh, yeah. That is for a reason that shall be revealed. That is my favorite number. And the actor, that character, in terms of being upbeat, that character is ridiculous. <laughs> that character, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that character is off the chain, definitely Swan. in terms of rampant positivity. Swan is is in my top three favorite characters in this whole movie. He cracks me up. The, the inside of this canyon is so beautiful. It gets me every time. But I like this because this is, I think, the first time where all three of us came up with something different for a gimmick. Um, I'm not saying we should watch more musicals. I'm just saying I like this. Mine, and there, it's not even, there's not even a close second. It's the Trapper song. It's the, it's the best ah. song in the whole fucking movie. It's got oh. my favorite jokes in it. Um, the and and my favorite scene in this whole movie, the whole shit is the argument they have about being off key. It's my favorite thing in the whole movie. Um, see, that's where we need LB because I don't understand this uh, <laughs> argument whatsoever. Right. I hope, I hope that she cracks up like a motherfucker because it's literally one of two jokes that I don't get in this film. See, and I think that's it's a musician's joke. It's a musician's joke. I get the joke, so it's funny to me. <laughs> uh, I also get the fact that since I'm not a musician and I'm not writing a fucking musical or in college studying music and they make that joke, that's kind of the joke on me. And I like that. I appreciate that type of humor as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander, I thought you were going to choose because you were talking about Leanne before, you know, the fiance come wife, the on top of you <laughs> song. <laughs> because once once you knew about Leanne, that song took on a whole new meaning. Yeah. Right. Can we all agree that the worst scene slash song in the entire movie is this side of me? The song that Polly Pry sings? Yes, it's horrible. Yeah. I've only watched it all the way through twice, this time and the first time I watched it. And I only watched it all the way through this time to preserve the integrity of this show because we are consummate professionals. And I wasn't, I'm like, I'll watch the fucking thing again, but I normally, I've watched this movie at least 30 times and I always skip that every time. 
Yeah, I, I do agree. She can sing her ass off, that actress. Mm-hmm. I will give her that, definitely. And I won't, you know, I'll let you do the synopsis. It's not the first time she sings it, uh, but it really points out how the whole thing is a is a not a subversion of musical, but a parody of musicals overall. Her song does fit in in that sense, but mm-hmm. I do agree with you. It's the least enjoyable by far. Sure. So I guess I should probably break a little further into this. I usually tend to leave it a little vague so we can kind of break it down a little bit. But um, at the behest and urging of the Baron, who is correct, um, basically this starts, this this film starts, it shows uh, this incredibly violent scene that is very, it's the most artistic. It's the one they spent the most money on as well. Um, there it's, it's, you know, meant to be something of a flashback dream sequence. It's pretty obvious as soon as it's over. And then for the rest of the movie, that that's what it is. Alfred Packer is going batshit and killing everybody. And, uh, he, there's, you know, a bunch of people in the snow trying to fight him off and he's beating them off with their own arms and he's, you know, chewing on everybody. And then it cuts to the courtroom and it's, this is shown to be the lawyer uh, or the prosecutor. I apologize. The prosecutor uh, is it's him telling the story of what happened. Yeah. So he's telling the story They're They're in this courtroom. They go, you know, they go on and on. Um, and then he says, but that's not the way it happened. Cut to the opening credits, which I kind of mark for. It's a little long. But I like the whole old school showing the long drawn out credits at the beginning. Also, the uh, you like the colored pencils. The, I like the, the colored the, pencils a lot. The 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 colored pencil drawings. It's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Um, but they that that line. That's not the way it happened. The way the, he says it really weird. He's impersonating William Shatner. That's from a Star Trek episode. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. I don't, does he mention that in the commentary? I can't remember. I think he does. Um, Anyway, so what then follows is they show him in jail and they they introduce Polly Pry, who is a journalist who eventually lobbies for uh, his innocence and eventually gets him free by the end, um, which actually did happen. And we get introduced to the prosecuting attorney. We get introduced to Polly Pry. She tries to get to know uh, Packer, Alfred Packer, in the jail and get his story. And then he proceeds to tell the story. And now we're in the film. Um, and I won't go on and on about this. Um, I feel like uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to tell the entire film. But uh, they show a group of people are saying, hey, there's nothing in these hills. We need to move. We need to move west. We need to get moving out or east. We need to get going this direction, so on and so forth. And only a couple of people agree to go. Uh, I think it's a group of six people. And they end up going on this ill-fated journey uh, over the mountains in Colorado, in Utah, into Colorado territory at the time. Um Hilarity ensues. Music ensues. They also do the same shit the Donner Party does. They ignore advice from people that tell them to go a certain way. Um, There are some sources that say that Alfred Packer was an asshole. He was a pain in the ass to get along with. And he was a bully and forced people to go ways. And he acted like, you know how Humphrey is the one that's always lying and saying, I know which way to go. Supposedly, yeah. there, there are sources that point to say that actually that's Alfred Packer, that he was lying constantly. But once again, winners write history. You never know. There, You can read two different books about Alfred Packer, and one will say he's a victim of circumstance, and the other one will say he engineered this. Purpose, right. You know what I mean? And, and it's all his fault because he's a big-headed jerk-off. Um, mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. They get through, they start getting through and and they start getting sick and, uh, you know, they run out of food and they, what happens in the film is during Gene's favorite song, uh, Let's Build a Snowman, the, the 
painfully, terminally optimistic, quite literally terminally optimistic swan uh, who and the, the whole joke I feel in this movie about all of these people being so nice is they're in Utah. They're making fun of Mormons. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I co-signed that. Yeah. So Swan takes an L, gets shot, and they finally go, well, there's meat here. And they eat the meat and then they move on. The guy that shot him is the preacher who who is a Mormon preacher. He wants to move out uh, to Colorado territory to build his own church. And as they go, he tends to get more and more. Uh, he kind of goes down a darker road. He tends to get a little more evil. And I, this is a personal theory. Troy, uh, Troy, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are atheists, um, staunchly so. And I think that they are purposely, and they've got huge heat with Mormons, Christians in general, but Mormons especially because they had to grow up with them so prevalently. And I think they were just taking shots at Christians in a big way, specifically Mormons on this one. Yeah, so much of a, a problem with them that they made an entire other musical talking shit about Mormons. Believe it or not, that that music, I, I gotta I gotta address that. That uh musical, The Book of Mormon, A, is fucking brilliant. It's one of the best I've ever listened to. I have not seen it yet. Um, I know I my wife knows several people that were all in the touring company. Um, we can get tickets to it if, if it ever opens up again and I'll take you. But um, that was predominantly written by a guy named Robert Lopez. He is most famous for writing, excuse me. He is most famous for writing, uh, not wicked, um, for writing Frozen, all of the music for Frozen. This guy is a Disney employee. But this was his other Gosh. project. But it's wow. it's predominantly Robert Lopez that wrote the the Book of Mormon. Huh. Um, I thought that was Joseph Smith. Party fucking <laughs> Look at you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> you got jokes about airplane peanuts too? No, none of those. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so so they. Uh, once again, like I said, the preacher goes down a darker road. At one point, Alfred Packer fucks off to go check the trail to see if they should go over the mountain. And when he comes back, the preacher's killed everybody. And when Alfred Packer says, you can't do that shit, preacher tries to kill him. Packer kills the preacher. And then eventually he winds up back in civilization. The rest of it is... You know, people catching him, uh, putting him on. Then they finish up showing the trial, the quote unquote execution. Uh, once again, more hilarity ensues. And we can get into some some trivia about this thing unless you guys want to add to it at all. No, uh, it's fucking great. Other than the fact you forgot about the Cyclops, which is. I did uh, not forget about the Cyclops. Oh, OK. <laughs> You know, um, the Cyclops is really important, too, because it's Trey fucking comparing this journey and his journey as a filmmaker, as a student filmmaker to the Odyssey, which is probably something he had to read in college. And then he used it in his film as well. In college? I'm pretty sure we had to read that in high school, dude. I went to a stupid high school. The same one you did, dude. Did you really read the Odyssey in high school? I had already read the Odyssey. I used to read books, dude. <laughs> I watched promo movies. I don't need no fucking books. I did that too, motherfucker. All right. Look. This is historically accurate. <laughs> no, the Cyclops. There's actually a point in this movie. I don't know if you ever saw this, but um, what's his name? The preacher, Shannon Bell, is reading Homer's Odyssey at one point early in the movie. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. But that encompasses my favorite joke of the whole entire film is when they see the sheep and they're like, sheep. And he fucking jumps up. And he's like, no, to no, eat. I just got to piss. <laughs> I love it. I That's love your it. favorite joke? How? Okay. It's one of my it. favorite. Yeah, it's it's up there, man. Look, man, bestiality is funny. I know I'm with you. Also, do you know why he had sheep? Why? The Cyclops in Homer's Odyssey tended to sheep. Oh, nice. There you go. There you go. So um, 
I, uh, I, I love the Cyclops too. That's one of my favorite jokes. The, we shall wear in the land of cotton. No times there, not forgotten. Look away, look away, look away. And uh, fantastic, and fantastic special effects there with the eyes squirting all over them. Are you looking at my eyes? It's just drowning them in viscous fluid. Yeah, yeah. It's Very supposed well to be pus, right? That's uh, cream soda is what they used for that. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, so let me give you some. Let me give you some uh, inside track on this. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you guys are probably hip already, but our listening audience may not be. As I said, um, everybody on this movie had bare minimum two jobs. Um, the guy, I don't I don't remember the guy's name, but he's the really tall trapper with the really bad mustache uh, that like sticks out the blonde trapper. That guy. Yeah, was, sens- the sensitive dude. Yeah. Right. Well done. Yeah. He yeah. is. Um, he's actually a camera operator. If he's not on screen. He's the main camera operator. Um, I think that Frenchie, the main trapper, was the DP. Um, And I mean, and then, like I said, Trey Parker did everything. Matt Stone did everything. Everyone just went on and on. Oh, this is another side note. During production of this, Matt Stone and Trey Parker dropped acid. um, And while they were out in the woods, like, on like, I don't know if it was a day off or right after production or whatever, but that is where they came up with the concept of chef for South Park. Nice. Huh. It had it had to do with an ad lib that um, what's that weird little fucker's name? Um, he's got a weird name. He plays squeak in basketball. You know what I'm talking about? The horn oh, yeah. dog, the little the little horny kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember his name. All nah, no, nah, I can't either. Bryden, he's got a weird fucking name. Anyway, that guy said something about he's like got hit in the face and he goes, he goes, oh, children, something like that. And and then they dropped acid and they heard chef and they went, oh, we got this idea for this black chef at this at this old like everyone in the town is white except for the chef and so on and so forth. A uh, question relating uh, to, you know, like um, how things formulate there. Uh because I have, I saw the movie, but uh, full disclosure, I don't own the DVD, so I didn't see the drunken commentary. I would like to, though. Um, right. Now, Matt Stone with Humphrey, uh, I think he might be, I'm not sure if he's singing one of the songs, the Shpadoink or the Baked Potato song at one point, but he's doing a Cartman voice. He's doing the Cartman yeah. voice. Um, that's another one of the overdubs. Yeah, good good looking out. I was going to bring that up as well. Um, that is supposed to, at that particular scene, there's a lady that's coming out of the store. That's when they're walking into the, to the mm-hmm. whatever you call it back then, a dry goods store or whatever the fuck ever, right? They're going in and she's coming out. That's supposed to be intended to be the lady singing that's walking out. And that did become Cartman's voice. Additionally, glad you brought that up. Um, and it is Trey Parker that does Cartman's voice. Um, so he did that overdub. But there's the joke where uh, Matt Stone, a.k.a. Humphrey, takes his hat off and there's a big poof of red hair. They later use that joke in South Park, like two or three seasons in. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm hip to that. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's cool. That's cool. Um, let's see. So uh, early on in production, this movie was it was originally called Alfred Packer. Um, Alfred Packer, actually, with the E and the R transposed. The reason for that, the rumor about that from I read I read a short book about Alfred Packer a long time ago. And there is a rumor that he had a tattoo that said Alfred, but the tattooist transposed the letters. And so he started telling people that's how he spelt his name. Um, Hence, they were going to make their movie named Alfred Packer. Um, Lloyd Kaufman of uh, Trauma fame. I don't need to fucking tell you who Lloyd Kaufman is. If you don't know who Lloyd Kaufman is, it's Uncle Lloyd. The podcast. So <laughs> Uncle Lloyd tells them, hey, no one knows who the fuck that guy is outside of Colorado. And he's right. Most people don't, except for weirdos like us. And so um, they talked about a number of names. Lloyd Kaufman did say that he wanted to call it Fudge Packer the Musical. Um, but who knows? Uncle Lloyd does tell Porky Pies from time to time. Oh, he was probably just fucking spitballing things. 
Yeah, he fucks around all the time. Those intros that he does in every movie are wildly entertaining. Um, so there was plenty of other names suggested as well. Uh, additional stuff. The worst sound in the entire film is when they're filming in the courtroom. It's terrible, but that is the actual courtroom Alfred Packer was tried and convicted in. Yeah, um, that's cool. That's cool. So it's, it's cool, but it makes for sh- a really shitty sound. <laughs> it oh, sounds yeah, yeah, bad. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. It's just, yeah, well, yes. <laughs> fucking echoes for days. Um, Spadoinkle is one of the most well-known. That word became known. If it weren't for South Park, no one would know this fucking movie anyway. But because they did, and then they went back and, and bought and watched this movie, Spadoinkle became kind of a fairly well-known word in turn of phrase. That was just a filler word that he was using. It was the, you remember the line? It's, uh, it's Gene's, uh, it's, it's the Baron's favorite song. The, uh, my heart is full as a baked potato. I think you know precisely what I mean. When I say it's a spadorkle day. What? He, he put that in because he wanted to end it strong and wanted to come up with this perfect adjective, this perfect word, and he just never did. And Uncle Lloyd, Matt Stone, and a number of other friends that worked on this movie said, dude, keep Spadoinkle. Keep it. He was going to chuck it. It was not meant to stay there. It was a filler word. It's uh, a... It's a sorry. It's a convincing word uh, because, you know, uh, down here, uh, not a lot, like we don't have a lot of uh, the Jewish community that live down here. Um, I was very young when I first saw it, probably around even like 18, 19 when I first saw this. And I thought it was a legitimate, like Hebrewic word. <laughs> so no, excuse my ignorance, but it was convincing. I'll be since on that note, for anybody that's listening outside of the US or even anyone that's so far outside of, away from the Mormon community. I honestly believe this is one thing about the Mormons. They are extremely nice. They are the most polite people ever. So I feel like this was before I knew this was a filler word. I took it as this is some Mormon, you know, okay, having fun with the word like they, the Mormons come up with the best censored curse words ever. You know what yeah. I mean? It's Oakley Doakley, like fucking Ned Flanders. It's okay, exactly sure, sure. like Oakley Doakley, dude. It's some Christian shit. Um, mm-hmm. And so I th- I always felt like that was kind of what it was. It was just leaning into, just super leaning into the we make up words to make ourselves feel happy. Like that's yeah. kind of what I always thought about it. Um, anyone that's never seen the village of the damned Mormons walking down the street, man, you haven't lived. It's interesting. They're really, they're all 19 year old boys and they're really nice kids, but they're terrifying. <laughs> Everyone go listen to Tartar Control. There's a recommendation for you. Um, so, okay. Um, the doomsayer, uh, the doomsayer that tells him you're doomed. Like it's, you know, Friday the 13th, Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the doomsayer. Right. All the classics got one. That motherfucker comes out and goes, you're doomed. Turn back. You got to go. That guy is the official Colorado Alfred Packer lookalike. Oh, shit. That's what he does for a living. I remember going, that motherfucker is wearing like the same thing that Trey Parker is wearing. That's a weird choice. And then I found out he's the legit state-sanctioned Alfred Packer uh, look alike. That's what he does for a living. He's a, he's an actor. They also said he was the worst actor in the entire movie. That's why when you hear him talk, that's Trey Parker. He over. I guarantee you that guy has to do something else. He's probably like the manager at a fucking I don't know what do they got in fucking Utah. <laughs> fucking no man. The underwear shop. A Hardee's. It's probably a manager at a fucking Hardee's or some bullshit like that. Yo, yeah, I, I'm sure he doesn't. He doesn't do all of his eating off of being an Alfred Packer look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Trey did the voice. I, I, as I said earlier, he did the voiceover for the cat. Anytime you hear the cat meow, that's him. He did several of the Japanese, the Nihon Jin, 
which by the way, I know I butchered that, but Nihon Jin, that's the name of the tribe in the movie. They say it a couple of times. Nihon Jin means Japanese people. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. a great joke. Um, Nihon, hilarious. Which is Japan, yeah. Right. So he yeah. does uh he does he overdubs bits for Humphrey. He overdoes the like I said, the doomsayer, the woman coming out of the store who sounds like Cartman. He even overdubs certain parts of Frenchie when he's singing. Um, there's a number of people in this movie that can't sing, and they made a joke out of it, like the trappers, my favorite little exchange. That mm-hmm. that's because those two dudes couldn't sing, so they made a joke out and just let them actually sing. But one of them had to, Frenchie had to be able to sing, the main trapper. So when he does certain parts, that's Matt, or that's uh, Trey Parker singing. And there's that's others ridiculous. too. That's ridiculous because it's really good. I mean, it's not my, uh, you know, not my style that I listen to, but it's really good. Like, right. you know, top Broadway level good at 21 years old. I mean, it's crazy. Keep in mind, A, his Music. voice is not destroyed from all the cigarettes and liquor that yeah. the guy Yeah, true, true, true. But B, that guy was going to, he was already a trained yeah. musician to the point yeah. where he now made it his major in college. So he's not, he's not a rookie. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. But he's also kind of, I mean, saying that he's a punk rock guy, I don't know. That might be a little strong, but he's, he's definitely an alternative type of cat. And he, um, he definitely was outside of the mainstream. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he probably wasn't interested in necessarily doing Broadway at that point. You know, he's a kid. He wasn't thinking of it. He's like, this is going to go nowhere. Remember that when they made this, this is before they, they were like, we were going to make this one movie and that's going to be it. That was what their, their mentality was. And then after you, college, they'll go get a fucking job doing something. Uh, did you pick up on the initial uh, impetus to make the film? Did you find that out, out at all? The what now? The um the the initial re, the initial motivation behind making this film. Why they suddenly decided as a music uh, major and Japanese major, whatever. Why they just suddenly decided to make a short film, by a feature. So, it was a short film first, then a, then a feature. Yeah. Well, we're so used to Matt Stone and Trey Parker being a team, and they clearly are here as well. But. Trey Parker is the driving force behind most things that they do. And Mm -hmm. this is no exception. This is the first thing that they did together, but he wrote this movie to get back at this girl that cheated on. Of course. Of course. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that was it. That was the main reasoning. That was the the driving force behind this. He was a bitter young man, which I completely empathize with, even though I'm now a bitter old man. And at 21, at 21 years old, I yeah, definitely get that yeah. reasoning as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So um, Ted, uh, do you remember Ted Henwood? He plays uh, he plays Frenchie. He gets hit in the balls, right? And then every line he has after that, every single line, he's got that squeaky, super high-pitched voice. Right. They do all this ADR, the overdubs, right, throughout the movie, tons of it. But while they're shooting, they weren't thinking of that. So it wasn't until afterwards they went, we probably could have just done that. They actually made him inhale helium on every take that he did like that. (laughs) That's his voice. It's not ADR. It's so bad shit to me. Apparently he almost passed out a couple of times because he was just inhaling helium constantly. The Sawatch Sheriff who of all the side characters that are barely like the, the he's just above an extra, how little he's in this movie. He's my favorite of all of that. Um, he was hung over as shit in his daytime scenes. And he was actually hammered when he comes in drunk into the bar or packer. He's hammered. Fuck. Yeah. dude. <laughs> so that I always thought that was funny. There's one line where he does the, well, you know what happens when you fish it in during the day. And he forgets the end of the line and it ends up being one of the best jokes. He was supposed to finish the line, but instead he uh, goes, looks around, nods, and then just uh, walks away. And it's one of the funniest jokes in the whole movie to me. 
Yeah, the comedic the comedic timing of that. I thought it was just excellent comedic timing, so it was just a happy accident, which I love in art yeah. in general. So that's fantastic. Yeah, isn't that great? Like I, I agree, the timing was so perfect. His motion was so perfect; it cracks me up every time. And now knowing that it was unintentional is even yeah, better. That's that's great. Um, also, during te- uh, uh, during the the Reverend's favorite song, right at the beginning. When your man starts the song and he's walking across, there's that girl sitting on the on the uh, with her legs dangling. Yeah, that's Matt Stone and Drag. Uh, yeah. Only time in the movie, just yeah, for the talk of it. He insisted on doing it for no uh, reason other than doing it. Did he have that as a little side revenue <laughs> for income? Because mine, God, I was convinced. <laughs> right? I, <laughs> right. I honestly, I've watched it with the commentary before, but this time I, when I did, I went, I never noticed that they even said that. I never noticed. It, it was brand new. Um, it's like, it's his Alfred Hitchcock film, you know, appearance. He was like, this is my first movie. We're, we're doing this together, man. I got to make an appearance, not as the character that I play the entire fucking film. <laughs> As a random character in drag on the front porch of this place. Um, Shit. I got I've got uh just a couple more here. So um so the the Indian chief is a fellow named Maseo Makai, and he owns a place called Sushi Zen Mai. It's in downtown Boulder. I just got back from Colorado and okay. then watched this movie and went, son of a bitch. I absolutely could have gone to this place. I would have eaten something deep fried because I'm not eating sushi in a landlocked fucking state. But I could have gone to this spot. Apparently, it's still there. I looked it up. It's still Does there. Fresh still work there? He owns the fucking place, dude. We gotta go to G Fresh's sushi, man. Yeah, man. So he was great. He was great. Oh, he, you yeah. think we're not Indians? Yeah. <laughs> Look at all these teepees. We yeah. have seriously, man. <laughs> so good. And finally, one of my favorites. This is one of those things that they inserted, just like the Homer's Odyssey shit. Um, actually, there's two more. I, I didn't write this one down. Do we, there's alien heads. Just like in South Park, mm-hmm. hidden all over the place. Yeah. Um, and they do them at moments where there's a lot of action in the scene so that they're really pushed into the background. So look for those kitties when you look for this. The last thing I want to say is one of my favorite things. When Humphrey is fake translating what the Indians are saying, he does sign language when he's saying something. What he's signing, he says something like, welcome to the blend of blue light. But the sign language that he does means Jesus Christ is dead. Yeah. So they're just taking, <laughs> they're just taking heavy shots. Jesus off, man. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. I thought that was amazing when I found that out. Yeah, that was one that's, of my favorite moments. Yeah, that's all I've got, gentlemen. Is there anything you guys want to bring up that maybe I missed? Just um, whilst we're talking about uh, <laughs> the Indians, uh, when they're taken away by sword point at the start, when they first meet the two Indians on horseback, mm-hmm. roughly translated, what they're saying is that this movie is really stu- stupid. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only thing that uh, wasn't dubbed over. Uh, uh, that's the only thing that the Japanese guys actually said. Everything else was was Trey Parker. I actually did forget about that. Well done, Baron. Thank you. Um, thank you. Moving on, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. 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 You've covered everything in terms of the trivia. I, I found. Right. Well done there, sir. I'm excited about this bit of violence. Uh, I will. I will set this off. My favorite bit of violence has to be Shannon Bell's death. Shannon Bell getting it, it's it's in the top three funniest things in the whole movie. Shannon Bell getting. Um, I think he gets stabbed. He gets stabbed through both eyes with twigs. He gets an axe to the face. And uh, what was the final nail in the coffin? Um, he gets. Yeah. Yeah. That might've been the last one. It was getting stabbed in the face, but him coming back over and over. That's, oh, that's yeah. probably the best. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You are correct. Yes. Yes. Apologies. Uh, Baron, um, favorite bit of violence. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, very uh, well, well done there, Commander, because it's a play on a classic, again, a classic uh, horror trope, you know, the villain or the monster always comes back. Um, one and, more scare. Yeah, one more scare. And uh, Trey Parker, uh, Parker, the character, you know, he's doing the double takes constantly about six times to really milk that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. My uh, bit of violence that I enjoyed uh, was, uh, how do you say it? Was it Schwein or Swine or Swan? Swan. 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 Swan, thank you. Um, when he's doing the second, the second rendition of To Make a Snowman song, and then the Mormon uh, preacher, which you've talked about, you know, taking shots and he turns more, well, he loses his faith <laughs> as, right. as they, you know, get more and more lost. He goes to start up again and he just turns around and shoots him in the face. <laughs> that's, I wrote that down and then sat and thought and thought and thought, and then I crossed it out and wrote down Shannon Bell's death because I just couldn't get over how funny it was. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I personally enjoyed it as well, because if I was in that same situation, lost out there in Colorado as well, fearful for my life, and then someone starts up a goddamn show tune again, that's exactly what I would have done. Not ashamed yeah. to say I would have turned around and shot them in the face as well. So that is definitely my favorite bit of violence for this film. <laughs> Reverend. You know what? I think the Baron's right. Honestly, it really just <laughs> hit the right timing and, uh, you can't go over it too much more than you just put it down. He just turns around, shut up, and fucking shoots his fucking shut brains out the fuck back of his up, head. Spawn. Yeah, it's just perfect. Um, it's a it perfect leaves, bit of violence. It, it Other leaves, than that, I gotta say the eyeball. You looking in my eye and like flipping <laughs> it everywhere. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. no, no. You know, it's and it, it leads to one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie, which is which is the guys, I just thought of something. Remember when Spawn was tap dancing? How was he making that noise with his feet? <laughs> hey, hey. And also with uh to continue with Swan's rampant positivity, he has that inane positive grin. I'm about to burst out with another show tune, even when he's in a state of frozen rigor mortis around the campfire as well. Yeah, yeah. Looks like he's about really to sing well a song. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Last up is Jobber Royale. I thought about this one, I wrote a couple down and then took them off the table. Um, I will tell you, I'm going to tell you what my runner up was because I wanted to bring the Cyclops into this. And I'm like, there's no way I can bring the Cyclops into it with any other character in this movie. The Cyclops yeah. will win. I thought about going ahead and like breaking the rules a little and going all three trappers versus the Cyclops, but you can't do that. You can't do that. So they're kind of the gang. I realize, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a riding the line. You know, if you get one, you get all three for sure. They're a crew They They roll together. But I decided to go Frenchie, the main trapper versus the sheriff of Sawatch. Uh, I, I think fucking the sheriff, I think it's the sheriff's going to take it, man. And I'll tell you why, because Frenchie's going to pop him one, boom, right off the bat, you know? And we know that that's what Frenchie's move is. He's just going to black eye you. Maybe you can to face this fucking sheriff. He's a sucker puncher for sure. Yeah. But then the sheriff's just going to fucking blink it off because he's blackout drunk constantly anyway. Uh, and he's going to okay. mop the floor with fucking Frenchie and throw him in the, in the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he could take on the whole crew, but if it was just Frenchie and the sheriff. Just Frenchie. All right. I, I'm saying that it's the sheriff, man. Uh, it, Baron, do you have a take? It's hard to argue against that logic. At first I was thinking, but he's in a state of almost passing out all of the time. But with, <laughs> with the Reverend's logic there, he ain't going to feel shit as well nice. and and he's drunk every day that's just how he you know uh looks after the town um yeah um I, yeah I'm short and sweet i agree with the baron i uh give it to the sheriff yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna agree as well and and i'm gonna go a little deeper and explain my reasoning i mm, had to think please, about this at please. first i started off thinking frenchy 
because Frenchie's a tough motherfucker. This is a trap. Hey, that guy is yeah. traveling all over the wastelands and trapping animals and skinning them and 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 fucking giant people. testicles, giant testicles. Yeah, great big grassy <laughs> balls this guy has. So, but at the same time, the sheriff of this town has to deal with motherfuckers like him all the time. And most importantly, has nothing to do with Frenchie being short. It's funny, but it has nothing to do with him being short. Frenchie's a gang, is a fucking gangster, but he's only tough when he's got, now he, he flips and gets live when his people aren't right behind him, but he's always seemed to got his people with him. I think that Frenchie shut the fuck up if it was just him and the sheriff. I think yeah, I'm he, telling you that that fucking back county sheriff in the middle of Colorado territory is gonna <laughs> take like yeah. five or six blows from Frenchie and just gonna literally pick him up anyways and take him into jail, man. Here's how I'm I'm with you on this. I'm not mad, except I'm saying Frenchie tries to do the fine, cool, cool, and turn around and pop, throw him a sucker punch, and the sheriff just goes, "All right, my turn," and then fucking breaks him down and goes, "Well, what did you learn?" and then drags his ass off the jail. You know what I mean? And and then probably puts the boots to him while he's in the cell. Like, I'm going sheriff all day. But I started out, like, slightly Frenchy and then went, no, man, that that dude needs a crew behind him to get live. So sheriff is on his own. And to that end, even if Frenchy did have his crew with him, you saw how people supported the sheriff as well. Sheriff just has to make a call out to the town. The bar empties out. Boom, he's got the whole town after him as well. What? Additionally, that's a hoodlum-ass town. Those are some rowdy motherfuckers. Imagine how tough that sheriff's got to be to have all those people in line. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Ain't nobody fucking with the sheriff was to watch. Yeah, there was obviously (laughs) a shit ton of people fucking in that town. Do you see how many fucking went after Alfred right away? (laughs) All running out of that damn saloon. Yeah, yeah. Great joke. Great joke. Got a little drinky poo. Um, <laughs> that being said, gentlemen, I am out. Are we going to wrap this one up? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think covered beautifully. Phenomenal. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me once again on this goddamn journey down the film canister of life. Reverend. So, I got to say one thing because in uh 2006, they found Alfred Packer's gun. The one that he supposedly, or no, the Reverend's gun. They found the Reverend's gun in 2006. The one that the Reverend tried to shoot Alfred Packer with. The one that Alfred Packer supposedly killed the Reverend in in Mm self-defense. They found it after 130 years. And it's in a fucking museum in Colorado now. Interesting. And it was not Alfred Packer's gun. And that is why he initially got arrested. It's the Reverend's gun that Alfred Packer was like, he pulled a gun on me. I don't know what happened. It went off in the snow. They never found the gun. They found it. 130 years later, kind of like verifies his fucking story. You can look it up. And 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 honestly, this I will say this closing out. That's a I'm glad you said that actually, because Trey Parker and Matt Stone both said there was these. Remember, I said that if you read one book, it says one thing. You read another, it says another. You watch one movie, documentary, whatever. It depends on who you ask. They approached it as though he was telling the truth. That's that's why the movie is the way that, that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Um, so it's I know I actually fucking like I said, I just got back from uh, Colorado among the places that I visited. His grave was one of them. His grave is kind of cool. It's not huge. It's not, you know, ornate or or anything like that, but it's 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 fucking cool to see. And uh if I may, uh, before I let you close out there, uh, Commander, but um, just a couple of recommendations as well, which acts as sure. a companion viewing as well. Uh, we have the film Ravenous. Now that's about the Donner Party. Whoa. So if you want, yeah. If, so if you want to see this type of thing go down, but shown. Uh, in a very much more serious light. Uh, Ravenous 1999, The Donner Party, starring Robert Carlyle, touches on the whole Donner Party, uh, you know, what's going down there. 
Say, say that again. Guy Pierce is Robert, in it as well. Yeah, Robert Carlyle and Guy Pierce. Well, really great movie. Uh, kind of a reimagined. It's like uh, they yes they took, they took plenty of liberties with it, but it's fucking phenomenal. I love that movie because it plays on the myth of the Wendig the Wendigo. Have you said the Wendigo? Wendigo, not wet. Wendigo, thank you. <laughs> yeah, plays on the myth of cannibalism in the Wendigo as well. And also, of course, six days to air the making of South Park. If you really want to see how much of a creative genius slash savant uh, Matt Stone is, but particularly Trey Parker, check it out. It's yeah, it's amazing to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and and I can't recommend the DVD which is what you're going to have to buy this movie on, or maybe Blu-ray. I don't know. Go to Troma, order up a copy of this movie. The extras are worth it. I fucking promise you. Um, That being said, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Good night. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.